Every Saturday on BYU Radio, we bring you the best of BYU Sports Nation. So as we look ahead to a new year, let's take a look back at the best of BYU Sports Nation in 2019. As Spencer Linton says, let's go. Hello, Jerem. There are more bands than Backstreet Boys and NSYNC in the world, bro. I know. Three words. Hot ham water. Hot ham water. Hot ham water. All right, back to work. (laughs) This is uh, the beauty of a live show. If so, I love it. Uh, I'm very excited. Boom, baby. Let's go. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. If you're watching on BYU TV, you may have noticed that we have some new hardware in Studio B, a Division I National Championship trophy. At least for the moment. For the first time ever has graced the desk in Studio B. This is nice. This is really nice. And joining us now to celebrate this trophy and an incredible performance in Terre Haute, Indiana, is the head coach of BYU Cross Country Track and Field, Ed Eyestone, and members of his team, Connor Mance, Jacob Hessington, and Brandon Garnica. Yeah, Welcome, gentlemen. Congratulations. 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 So awesome. We've got new hats, too. We got new Those hats. are nice, too. They're not as nice <laughs> as this, but they're really nice. What was the whole experience like? And let's start with you, Ed. Well, it was just really the culmination of 20 years of hard work and uh, uh, these guys really brought it brought it together, and it was a really fun day. There were some incredible conditions that they had to uh, uh, battle through, and uh, and we weren't the favorites. We weren't, you know, we ranked third going in. I think that was kind of to our favor, uh, but we knew we had a chance. Our, our theme all year long has been naivete, be dumb enough to believe that it's possible, and the, and the, <laughs> and the guys rose up, and we got it done. That's the quote of the day. Be dumb enough to believe that it could actually happen. No, I love it so much. Uh, you mentioned the conditions that your team had to run through. And, and Brandon, I'd like you to comment on this. How, how were the conditions in Terre Haute? Because it looked like a muddy mess. Um, it was wet. I, honestly, I felt like I was being waterboarded. Not that I've ever been waterboarded. But there was just water being picked up, mud in my face. It was, it was really gritty. Were you, I mean, were you freezing? Were you, like, did, uh, could you feel it when you're running? Did you forget <laughs> that part? Yeah, my face was pretty frozen, and it was really loud, and all I can think about was I got to run fast, but it was super cold. With us in BYU Sports Nation is Ed Eyestone and members of his national championship BYU cross-country team. Coach, you're the first person to ever win an individual NCAA championship running and now coach a team. What does that accomplishment mean to you? Well, it's kind of fun to think about, but I, I mean, it's a pretty small pool of guys who have won the thing and, and that are coaching. But, but yeah, no, it, it's fun. And you know what? Sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm still that 23-year-old who won the national championship back in 84. Um, so um, I try to just kind of uh, make sure that these guys are having the same sort of quality experience I had back however many, 35 years ago with Coach James. And uh, so it's been, it's been really fun, really rewarding. Connor, you take third in the in the race. What was that experience like for you, finishing in the top three? It was great. Um, honestly, the the race was so tough, and it got to a point where it was like, is this like, yeah, I don't know even what was going on. I just knew it was hurting a lot, and that the the weather was horrible, and there was no good there was no good surface to run on. Everywhere was an inch deep of mud, and um, I just remember passing a couple people, and they're like, come on, like everyone you beat is gonna be is going to help your team out that much more. And I kept using that as motivation that even though I wasn't having, I didn't feel like I was having my best day, I was still able to go out there and compete with 
you know, some of the best guys in the country. You didn't feel like you had your best day and you took third in the country? Uh, I was hoping to win the thing. So <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's so good. Okay, so you cross. At what point do you realize, as, as guys, uh, your teammates, two of these in studio here, uh, cross that, oh, we got a shot at this. We're going to win the national championship. Walk me through that. Okay, so after I crossed, I was exhausted as could be. I had like... My my thoughts, my brain was probably like turned off. Understandably, I, I no yeah. So I, I I walked about twenty steps and uh, just kind of laid down. Like I fell down on in the ground in the mud and was just kind of laying there for a bit. By yourself? By myself. Like <laughs> there's supposed to be officials to pick you up, but nobody did anything. I was just the laying heck? there watching the finish, like just drenched in mud. And then I'm like looking up and. I'm like seeing people finish, and I'm like, I have no idea how we're doing because it's so deceptive when you just have tons of people finishing. And uh, my teammate Danny Carney picks me up after I don't know how long I was there. It felt felt like I like like two seconds, but it might have been a couple minutes. <laughs> um, he picks me. He just kind of like grabs me, and I get up. He's like, "You want to stand?" I'm like, "No, I'm I'm good." And then we just start walking, and then uh, Jake over here comes up to me, and he's like, "I think we won." Wow. And uh, wow. and then the I think the I think portion of this kind of was like oh no like I don't want to get my hopes up high and then have right, it be cause like it's unofficial yeah because it's unofficial whatever. it's like I don't want to be like oh we want to get my hopes up and start cheering and then all of a sudden here oh just getting you lost they they miscounted like a Colorado guy didn't get counted or like an NAU guy didn't get counted and so I like just waited and then I, more and more people were like no like you guys dominated and it was just like. It was unreal. It was a super surreal experience. Fantastic. Let's dig into that moment with Jacob a little bit more. Jacob, when, when and why did you think, hey, I, I think we won this? How, how did you find out? How did you come to that realization that you were probably going to win the national championship? Um, just they score five in a cross country meet. And looking back, I, when I had a chance to turn around, I saw Brandon and then Matt Owens uh, was our fifth guy. I saw them in the little finishing area, and I didn't see five from any other team. So. That was the best. My best guess is we have five in before any other team does. That was a good guess. And you guys, I, the last two or three years, right, it had gone up a notch where I was like, okay, we could do this. We're kind of a dark horse coming into this. What was the mentality, Ed, going into this one where, okay, we have the team to do it. Let's do it. Yeah, well, you make a good point. We were uh, third two years ago, second last year. And then I think this year, you know, we didn't really worry so much about NAU or so much about Colorado, even though they beat us at the regional. At regional, we were just kind of coasting through trying to save save some juice for, for the, the national championships. So we were more focused on doing our own job, win the race that you are in. And if you win the race that you are in, meaning if Mats can battle in, and be in the top five, and if, if uh, you know, Jake can battle for top 15 and Danny in the top 15 and Garnica top 40. If you win that battle, if you win your race, then the rest is going to take care of itself. And it ended up, uh, we thought it was going to be really close. We knew we had a chance. NAU was a heavy favorite. Uh, we were ranked third going in, um, but we knew we had a chance. And uh, at the end of the day, it wasn't even close. And, and it, yeah, it was dominating, yeah, which was yeah. awesome. And Jacob, uh, tell me about this, because it's one thing for Connor to be in third, right? Boom, major points, right? But everyone matters. Those first five matter. So when you're neck and neck with some guys, what's the mentality knowing, okay, I can score and help this team win? Um, there's some looking around. Uh, for a lot of the race, I, it spread out really quick, not like a typical cross-country national meet. And so I was just kind of looking around. I passed some guys from NAU and Colorado and uh, – and then my teammate Danny Carney came up on my shoulder a little bit later in the race, and we were able to push together and pass some people. And then I think we just realized that 
we were our second and third guys and we were in front of NAU's first guy. Uh, and so that just kind of was a motivator and maybe helped us to relax a little bit more so that we could uh, run well. How cold was it? I mean, what, what's the recovery like as well after running a race like that? Well, I mean, it, it was cold enough that after we did the, uh, the post-race interviews and everything standing around there, uh, we actually had some signs of, uh, of maybe hypothermia going on. I mean, wow. Connor, wow. Connor was shaking. I mean, we, we had to get him to the medical tent and get him wrapped up in a blanket. And, I mean, when these guys' bought, percent body fat is, you know, south of, uh, you know, 7%, then uh, <laughs> your ability to withstand the, the cold once you're done running is, is not great. And everyone was just totally uh, drenched in this cold cold driving rain and and uh but the, you know they recovered quickly once we realized that we had have won the thing finally yeah and uh and i'm just super proud for for all the men can we can we find a better place than Terre Haute, indiana for <laughs> well, one it is, it championship? Is tra- it's tradition but it's tough in late november right yeah yeah well and, and our women's program did so well too i think that was part of our success for the day because we were able to watch them run beforehand see them battle have the their best race of the year and come within six points of winning in second place. And we said, okay, man, we got next. Let's go do it. And I mean, you can see that. I mean, the rain is just coming down. What a great finish and look by at the, the women. The three yeah, coming yeah, together. Five, six, seven. That was unbelievable. That was unbelievable. And then Connor did a nice job pipping this guy from Virginia tech right at the line for third place too. You love that. That's big time, right? <laughs> Top three. That's awesome. Um, now my understanding is, and, and by the way, Tara Hote's got to be the spot. That's where they won the national title. Every, every yeah, year we now. don't we don't that's we don't spot, care. Right? Yeah, let's that's go back the there every year. Happy place so now. My understanding is Matt Owens took fifth on the team. Yes. Scores forty fifth overall. He had not run a ten k. First 10K he's ever run. <laughs> and he took 45th? No, we were saving it. We were saving it. That's <laughs> unbelievable. He's a steeple guy, which is 3,000 meters, and he's a little bigger. Yeah. He, he can run a good uh, mile for us as well. And so that's one reason why we kept him out. We kept Garnica uh, out last week at the regional meet, and they came back, and, uh, and they were the difference, really. You're 4 or 5. You win yes. or lose championships with your 4 or 5, and they came through for us. So important, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, once you got warmed up, and, and I'm going to go back to you, Brandon, what, what was the celebration like with the women's team and everybody all around? Like, walk us through the emotions and, and what you did and, and how you celebrated while you were out there. Um, we were all pretty excited. We went back to the tent, and the first thing I think a lot of us did was sit in front of the heater that they had provided for us <laughs> and get ourselves warm and eat some food, and then it was kind of just, we did it, and so we took some pictures, and we enjoyed the moment, and we're still enjoying it right now. We're letting it soak in, and um, I think we're still celebrating it today. So, Connor, this is such a validating moment for the program, too, because you guys have been in the top three. You've had the, the link letters and the awards and, and Ed, of, of course, winning individually. But what does this mean to you and the team to bring home the first national championship for men's cross country? This means everything, honestly, that the team is, you know, we've been so close and so good for so long that it's like every year it just kind of is like we want it, we want it, we want it. And then not being like, I mean, two years ago, we were third, and it was a very, it was a really hard to swallow third. Last year, we went, we played the race very conservative because we didn't want to blow up, and that led to a second place finish. And like we, we weren't very close at all to that to winning it last year. But then uh, this year, it was just like, all right, like swing for the fences. We have, you know, it's going to be such a hard day. It's going to be a terrible day as far as like the weather was going to be. And we we're just like, all right, go out there, grind, and uh, you know, it's going to suck, but. It's going to suck less maybe for us if we win the thing. 
Always nice to meet NAU as well. Oh, There's absolutely. A there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Jacob, uh, explain the rivalry with Northern Arizona. And I saw some uh, trash talk Tuesday or whatever you guys were doing on social media, which is really fun. What's, what's the rivalry like with Northern Arizona? Um, I try to stay out of, uh, uh, stay out of the social media <laughs> as much as I can. Um, but the, when it comes to racing, it's just they have the target on their backs, and that's really what we've been uh, shooting for for the last three years. I think this year we did a better job at not thinking of it as a rivalry, just thinking of it as we're going to go out there and we're going to run our best race. But, yeah, the last three years it's just been – uh, them and us going at it, and uh, it's it's really rewarding to finally be on top of that rivalry and to uh, yeah to have the title. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well deserved. Congratulations. And in their def- in NAU's defense, it's really not a rivalry until you beat them at the biggest championship there is. So now I think before now I don't know that it was a true rivalry. I mean, we were always the team, the little the little pesky team that was nipping at their heels, but we finally beat we took down Goliath this year. And so I think there's now a true rivalry and we have the utmost respect for those guys. They train hard. We know what we do. I mean, our sport is hard enough mm. uh, to know and uh, I mean, when you're out running 100 to 120 miles a week, you have deep respect for everybody out there. So it's a it's a nice rivalry. Coach, we'll finish with this. What's more gratifying, winning as a coach or winning as an individual? <laughs> no contest. Winning as a coach. I mean, to see the joy in these guys' faces. Uh, you know, running's a, a fairly hedonistic thing, and when you win it as an individual, it's great. Uh, but when you win it as a coach and you can see the joy in the faces of their parents and themselves and, and really all the guys that I've had a privilege of coaching over the last 20 years. I had 150 texts on a Saturday night, most, of com- most coming from guys who have been part of the program. And uh, basically my response was, these guys were standing on the uh, on the shoulders of you guys and all the work that you had done mm. in the past. So it was it's a great moment that way. They were all a part of it as well. Yeah, pretty cool. Yep, awesome. Well, congratulations, yeah. guys. Yes. This Thanks, is big guys. time. This Absolutely. is big time. The first national title in 15 years at BYU for anybody. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And first under Tom Homeless, athletic director, yeah. by the way. So awesome. I think we're going to get a couple more, though, this year. Let's keep it going. As, Let's as go. Well, as well as soccer's going and everything. And and uh, we hope to bring another one of these back next year. Yeah, okay, awesome. Fantastic. Watch and we've never one. had four guests on the set, by the way. You have to win a national championship <laughs> to get four. Big time. And we wanted to Big accommodate. Time. So thanks for coming in, all of you, and congratulations. Yeah, now, Connor and Ed That's have signed awesome. the flag, but we need uh, well, Jacob and Brandon to sign the flag. So Absolutely. on your way out, ink the Sailor Coog flag with that national championship signature. Oh, I love it so much. Thanks, guys. Okay. Congratulations again. Thanks for coming on. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. Stay up to date with The Countdown every weekday on BYU Sports Nation, on BYU TV, and BYU Radio. The Countdown to the Youths. 58 days. 58 days away. Shout out to Chris Hoke, defensive tackle for BYU in 1994, 1997 to 2000. Played 11 seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Won two Super Bowl championships. Yeah. I think he's deserving of the number 58. I, uh, I got to see his Super Bowl ring. He came in for one of the football media days, like probably two years ago. Got to see his Super Bowl ring. It's unbelievable. 50 days. Bring on the Utes. 44 days. Blow the train whistle. <laughs> yeah, Rob, the freight train Morris. There it is. Much better. 
fourth round draft, no, first round draft pick mm-hmm. by the Indianapolis Colts. First round defensive player. From first round Biggie, draft pick Robert for the Morris. Indianapolis Colts. 1998 WAC Defensive Player of the Year, Buckkiss Award semifinalist, Rob Morris. Did the Snow Angel, he cost, uh, was it Ethan Potch? Owen? It was Owen. Owen Potchman, a long streak of PATs in the snow because they backed it up and Potchman missed. <laughs> because Rob Morris does the Snow Angel after a pick six. I forgot Classic. about that. What was that, 98? Yes. Or I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. Was Owen Potchman mad about that? <laughs> We need to get the Potchman brothers on. If the you show know Owen's history off the field, I don't think so. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> sure he's doing just fine. If you know, you know. <laughs> oh man, my voice sounds so good. Yeah, it sounds so good right now. Jason, you're on the <laughs> number thirty-four. Kalani Satake. Yeah, he was baby. number thirty-four. Yeah, 34 baby. Uh, he begins year four of his tenure as head coach at Brigham. The Utes are the first challenge on the schedule. I don't know if you knew. That. Twenty-one days. Twenty-one days away. Three weeks. Remember three the, weeks from today. This beautiful trucker hat that we got from Jamal Williams. His uncle made it, and Jamal gave it to us. Of course, Jamal Ward, number 21 at BYU. He's now number 30 with the Green Bay Packers, but he will forever be in our hearts, number 21. And that's why. leading rusher. 21 days away from BYU in Utah. 10 days away. A perfect 10 days away from BYU in Utah. Wow. It is Mitch Matthews Day. Yes, it is. Remember what he did against Nebraska in a season uh, that opener? That was an elite play. In a season play. opener. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. All right, so we were talking this morning, 10 days away been 10 years since BYU beat Utah, so we're going to list the top 10 reasons why BYU will end the streak against Utah, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. All right, Jerem, start us off at number 10. BYU will finally defend Lavelle Edwards Stadium properly. It's time, right? BYU has not been good at home under Kalani Satake. I feel like this is game show music. I was hoping it'd be more intense, like, <laughs> like with purpose. Okay. We, Maybe we can switch we it up. We Maybe anything? we can switch it up, okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, BYU stunk at home the last two years, five and seven. Come on. Let's go. It's defend. time. It's time oh, to defend. Oh, we're fading out. Nice. That means they think they have something. Oh, okay. All right, we'll listen. We're going to we'll bring on going. the dramatic music. Oh, Number nine. Oh, we don't have anything. Number nine. BYU has never lost an August home opener. Seven and oh all time. Yeah, let's keep that going. And they have four wins in those seven games against Power Five teams. Well, 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 Texas A and M. Washington State, I believe, was the most recent at home in twenty twelve. Oh, home openers against uh, top 15 teams, 96 Texas A&M, mm-hmm. 2013 Texas. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Number mm-hmm. eight, Utah's kicking game is suspect. Okay, punter Ben Lennon from Australia, okay, trying to be the ne- next Mitch Wisnowski. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kicker, Andrew Strau from UCLA, grad transfer, okay, because Chaden Johnston quit. Jane Redding's a walk-on. He was the backup in the spring. The kicking game is not the same for Utah. Meanwhile, BYU has Jake Oldroyd, who they hope is both uh, a really good kicker and punter. We'll see if Skylar Southam pushes there, Danny Jones and whatnot. Field position battle. Make yeah. field goals. Like, this has been such an advantage for Utah. Not just against oh. BYU, but yeah. against every team they play. They have crushed it. They have had an elite kicking game for what feels like 15 years. Yeah, it feels like that. It's not that, but it feels like that. I mean, going all the way back to Louis Sakota <laughs> in 2005 yeah. and 2006. They've had good kickers, but not necessarily the punter. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's been it's uh, it's been a long time. Yeah, great punters and kickers. True. And returners. Point, at one point, Eric Weddle was punting. So yeah, I mean, if that guy could punt, then. <laughs> number seven, balance needs to be restored. Oh, and now we're intensity. talking. Yes, the intensity now we're going. is here. Balance must be restored yeah. to the rivalry. And guess what? BYU might just have balance on offense, Jerem. Yeah, and in the overall series, right, and in the passing running game, I think BYU's got quality O-line, good running backs, uh, good quarterback. Number six, Britton Covey's not 100%. That's Utah's leading receiver. He tore his, what, ACL and meniscus in the Pac-12 title game, missed the bowl game. He's not a hundy. I'd be shocked if he's, like, playing and super effective in this game. But he's a gamer. Like, who knows? Number five, BYU's offensive line we think might be the best position group they have and believe they can hang with Utah's elite defensive line. I'm interested to see that matchup. I know Hans Olsen, uh, Salt Lake radio personality, feels like this is going to be the matchup in the game. Utah's D-line's really good. you got multiple All-American candidates in there. BYU has a freshman All-American, a couple of them, but do they have actual All-Americans beyond the freshman year, right? Okay, number, where are we at? Four. Zach Moss has a broken hand. What? Utah wants to act like this isn't a thing. It's out there. We all know it. He's got a broken hand. He's in a cast. He's not the same. Okay? And it's, what, the right hand, I think? Is he right-handed? Is he going to tote the rock in that hand? Utah knows Zach Wilson's shoulder. Both of them are jacked, surgically repaired in one of them. BYU knows Zach Moss. It's football. It's an injury. What? impact will that have on the game? Will it limit his ability to carry the load? You would I, think, I don't right? think it will affect him a ton, but it's a storyline. Yeah, it's a storyline. Definitely. Number three, BYU has unfinished business after last year. Yeah. If you remember, BYU led by 20 points late in the third quarter. And Utah <sighs> I forgot about that. provided that no, rivalry no, moment thought about it every day since. with a crazy comeback win in Salt Lake City, 35-27. Yeah, Unfinished business. Number two, BYU has its best quarterback since Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. I, I think Zach Wilson is going to be the truth. How quickly will he be the truth against quality opponents? I think Zach Wilson is going to be awesome. BYU's in its best position to have that QB win the game. And our number one reason BYU will end the streak against Utah after 10 years is because, Jerem, it's too perfect. Too perfect. They are the preseason Pac-12 favorites, the preseason Rose Bowl champions. Yogi Roth went on Jim Rome the other day and said Utah has a legit shot to get to the college football playoff. It's too perfect. Of all the years for BYU to beat Utah, it would be this year. This is the one. In Provo. End the streak when they have no business being on the field with that elite Pac-12 team. This would be too perfect. Too perfect. It'd be too perfect. Almost poetic, really. Yeah. And like I mentioned, top 15 teams in the home opener. You always been there, done that. Those are the top 10 reasons. <laughs> Will and the streak. And thank you for changing the music. I think we found the, yes, intensity, we found the intensity that we were seeking. Thank you. Yeah, just crank it. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. And now in the Studio B, 
to have his say in the great shooter debate is yep. Jake Toulson. We, we heard just from TJ. Heard from TJ. Yep. We asked him straight up, who's the best shooter? And he did not hesitate. He said, it's me. And if, he said, if Jake tries to tell you you beat me in a shooting contest, that did not happen. Oh, my gosh. Hey, that's the answer right there. You already know. <laughs> Ask him what happened this morning. Yes, and you had practice. So you have yeah. 6 a.m. practices, yeah. and you had one this morning already. Yeah. And you'll have another one? Later we'll have today? one, yeah, like two or three maybe because we have media day today. But yeah. Yeah, been going uh, double days. It's been good so far. Do you like 6 a.m. practices? Uh, Yeah, I do. Um, First, like, couple times, it's really tough getting up. You're just tired, but I feel like now we're kind of used to it and yeah. wake up fresh, get in the gym, get your work in, and, and it's been good. So what time are you waking up? I wake up at, like, 5, get some breakfast. I live out in Vineyard, so it takes me a minute to get here. Mm-hmm. But it's all good. And you have a kid, so you could be up at any hour of the day already, right? No, he's a good sleeper. <laughs> oh, that's great. I taught him well. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's, that's, that's important. Yeah. He, you probably go to bed shortly after he goes to bed, yeah? Uh, I try to be in bed by like 10.30. He goes to bed at like, depending on, I mean, from like 8 to 9. So. Always a late one. We got ours down at like six thirty. Oh, really? Yeah, but but I'm with you, Jay. The later with, you put them down, the the later they the sleep in. They sleep. So yeah. well, that's for my wife to do it. Right? <laughs> I, I have to leave. I have to leave. You're right. You're right. He gets up at seven thirty. Yeah. <laughs> that's her. I let her choose that. I didn't choose the six thirty. Drive every night. Quiet. Uh, yes. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we probably have to collaborate on that because some. Trust me, I'm great. feeding him during our conference call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. eventful. Yeah. Jake, how has your decision to return to BYU changed your life and just your, your whole approach in, in your basketball career? Um, well, I think, I think the biggest thing um, so far has just been getting to know my teammates. And um, it's, been, it's been amazing. Like, these guys are – and I always had a kind of an idea of what I thought they were when I was at UVU. I was like, oh, I hate these guys. Like, everyone sucks. They're all losers. But – like once you once I was here, like I completely just changed and and I feel like they embraced me and we've just had a bond that's just been so special and I'm excited to see how that translates onto the court this season. Did you have to overcome some negative feelings with BYU or anything with it to come back? Was there a process there for you? Uh, I mean, a little bit, not really. I think so much has changed and I've I've. I'm such a different person and in a different place now. So um, there was a little bit of that, but I think, um, I mean, I'm here. So I got to a point where it wasn't too much for me to overcome. And was coming back, has that been validated for you? Was that validated right away? Has it taken a minute? Yeah, I mean, I think it took a little bit of time. But I think when we were out there on the Italy trip, um, just kind of just reflecting on, you know, how much has changed and and just like my whole experience it's kind of cool like you know I started here I left now I'm back I'm here you know finishing up school and I'm here to start what I or finish what I started and um it's kind of it's a cool story that I'll be able to tell for the rest of my life. Jake Toulson senior guard at BYU basketball with us on BYU Sports Nation how would you explain the last six months of your life in general after you know to put it lightly a turbulent offseason for BYU basketball with the staff change injuries a player retirement nine game suspension for yeah. your teammate Yuli Childs how would you sum it up I mean it's just been it's been full of opportunity um, for me I've just tried to focus on 
um, getting better every single day and and bringing uh, bringing it every day for this team. I think a lot of stuff you know has gone on that's that's out of our control, but but we're here to control what what we can. And I think um, I think when you look at when you look at different experiences um, and and nothing ever goes as planned, right? We've we've had all these injuries and we've had all this this adversity, but adversity is a great opportunity to to either give into it or to make make something happen. And I think that's what we're about here is is um, finding a way. And um, I think we're not going to give in to any of that. And it's it's been it's been tough, but it's it's been a good opportunity for guys to step up and for us to come together. And and those great stories that that story we're going to be able to tell. You know, it was rocky, it was bumpy. You know, at this point, we thought we were never going to get this place, and we had to change expectations. But no, nah, we're not changing any expectations. We're everything that we want is on the table still. So we're really excited. You were a 180 shooter last year and WAC Player of the Year. How do you feel like uh, you'll fit in with this group, especially with Yoli Childs out? Does that mean more on your plate, TJ Haas' plate, everybody's plate? Yeah, I think um, we have a lot of talented players on this team, and I think the way that we want to play is just fast with pace, and and it's just going to be hard to guard our actions overall. And we're going to put players in positions to to do what they do best, and I think – I'm a big part of that, but I think the way that we're going to win games this year is by everyone contributing, and you know, on any given night, it could be a different dude. BYU senior guard Jake Toulson in Studio B, part of our two-hour BYU Sports Nation. What kind of personal expectations do you carry for yourself this season? Because I know you, and you're hard on yourself. Yeah. So where are those expectations? My expectations are to win. I want to win at all costs. That's why I came back here to win. So um, I think we've kind of adopted that mentality as a team. And if we stay there, then um, we can, you know, do something special. But for me, um, that's that's why I'm here, and that's uh, what I want to do. Has anything surprised you about this experience so far, this group? Um, well, I, I mean, I think, I guess, it's not really a surprise because I know there were good dudes here, but just like the genuine love everyone has for each other. Like I've never been on a team that, that gets along so well and that enjoys being around each other. Like it's so fun to come to practice every day. And and it's just like, everyone brings it and everyone's having fun. Everyone's um, getting after it, pushing each other, but you know, joking around at times, like it's just, it's fun to to play this game um, when everyone kind of wants what's best for the guy next to him. Now, you come with a unique perspective because you played for Coach Pope. You know what his practices were like at Utah Valley University. Now you're at BYU, different facilities. But I imagine that some of those things that he didn't practice have translated over. So how, how different is practice or how similar is it to what you, you're used to? Yeah, it's, it's pretty similar. I think, uh, like you said, I, I've been around this staff, so I kind of know what to expect. But um, we've, we've thrown in a few different looks, and, and we're doing – different things because we got different guys and um it's been cool to kind of see uh these coaches kind of grow and and um expand and and it's been it's been cool where are you most comfortable in the uh I guess three levels of the court uh I'd say I'd say at the rim I mean I can finish 
and then uh, three. Like I feel like that's that's efficient basketball right there. Three points or um, finishing at the rim layups and then getting to the free throw line. I mean, I'll occasionally throw like a little step back in or um, pull up, but I try to get downhill or um, take a three. Now, I know you're close with the Warner Brothers. Yeah. Your boy Fred, he'll be watching from San Francisco. That's right. Hey. Like to watch him ball out the shout out, shout out to the 49ers, 4-0. The block is hot. <laughs> Fred, Fred's been balling out. I know Troy was just out there for the Monday night game, right. and we, you know, we watch all the games. You can't forget about Micah too. He's a part of the uh-huh. part of the boys. The OG, but yeah, I think I think Fred. Maybe when we're out there in you know St. Mary's or San Francisco, maybe he'll come out and have an appearance or something. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the block is hot. We'll clip that off and make sure that we uh, we tweet that at him yeah. so yeah. he gets the. I'm shot. a Seahawks yeah, fan, sure. so I'll just sit here and smile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you a Niners fan? I no. am now. I'm now a, you are. I'm a yeah. Cardinals fan, but okay. now like yeah. I'd, I'd be a Niners that fan. The whole too, division yeah. is just turned on its head for me. I'm a Niners guy now. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Hate right. the Seahawks, hate, yeah. the, awesome. hate the Rams. <laughs> Jake, we got to go. Sorry, no time. All right. Join the conversation 24 7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. You know what's awesome? Beating the number two team in the country on the road last year at home, this year on the road. That's what BYU Women's Volleyball did. They are in the top ten at number nine. Two first place votes, by the way. And the leader of the group, you could argue. She may not think it's the case, but I think it is. McKenna Miller is back in Studio B. How's it going, McKenna? I'm good. How are you guys? Great. Uh, What a win. And uh, let's just point out that you are 2-0 and against Stanford the last few years because you were hurt in the Final Four, right? Yeah. So are you the missing ingredient there for BYU uh, No. <laughs> Not at all. Great answer. But, um, but, yeah, it was fun to just get that experience. We beat them at home, and it was a really close set. So I think there was an argument like, oh, if they would have played at Stanford, Stanford would have beat them, all this stuff. And then after the Final Four, it was like, see, we told you guys. And so it was kind of nice to be able to go to Stanford and we just got to play fearlessly like before the game Heather was like no one thinks we're going to win this game but us so let's just go out and compete and do the best that we can and so it was kind of fun to just get that confidence and that self-belief that we just beat Stanford at home hold on kind of fun it was really fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah well you've been having a lot of fun you guys are on a tear right now you're a top 10 team again you got married I did in in the last couple of months how's married life treating you by the way Good. Never see each other because our schedules are the exact opposite. But it's awesome. He's on the men's team, so Alex Asu. Yeah, yeah. A little power. So, another power couple. <laughs> that's what we're going for. The Y Awards. They didn't, the Awards? They gave it away. They didn't do it last year. I was kind of sad. But yeah, politics. We can talk off camera okay. about this. Yeah, that's honestly why we got married. Was for the <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but it's awesome. He's the best. Yeah, he's he's great. I love him. Uh, he's a serving machine last year. Probably yeah. an increased role this year. So yeah. looking forward okay. to that. Um, let's, so Stanford moved up to one. Did you see that? Yeah. After losing? Yeah. That's interesting. I don't fully understand. Stanford is, we talked even before, they said they're ranked number two, but realistically they're probably the number one team in the country. They have a number one loss last week. Yeah, and they have the same girls that have won two national championships. So realistically, we're like player-wise, they should be 
the number one team. You before we beat played the number them. one team. Yeah. So and you guys got two first place votes this yeah. week. How about that? Like thanks to whoever those two. Yeah. I, like, I, shout out to those two voters. I don't know who it was. I don't. I think yeah. you can look it up. But yeah. Um. How's the season going generally, by the way? Because this is a kind of a new group. There's a lot of yeah. experience back, but you lose, uh, you know, Ronnie Jones Perry and and. Uh, the, uh, the Haddock Twins, the Haddock yeah. twins obviously, was a huge yeah. loss. Um, yet this team has picked right up where you were, and that's kind of BYU women's volleyball. Yeah. It's definitely different. Um, like last year when we were playing against Stanford, I was like, it was like, oh, our team's like really good. Like we can beat Stanford. And like I felt it. Whereas this time I was like, it's just going to be like a good learning experience. Like let's just try to be competitive and do the best we can. And then it ended up working out really well. But I think we've made a lot of really good growth coming from the first game of the year we just we're connecting a lot better we're getting better at the little things that we need to and so Stanford I feel like was a really well scheduled match because if we would have played them the first weekend of the year I don't know if it would have been the same result Mm. but I think we've really just been improving and really been working hard and so it was cool to be able to execute that against a really good team and it was two days after beating Utah. It's not like it was like all week you can yeah. focus on Stanford. You made the quick turnaround yeah. to beat two tr- top 20 teams in three days. Yeah. Like I was exhausted, son. Just emotionally, <laughs> like those are two. But it was really good, a good week. How satisfying has this season been for you on a personal note after fighting your way back from injury? Um, it's been really nice just being able to be back. I don't know if it's just because it's my senior year and so – I'm just like, let's just have fun. Or if it's just because I didn't get to play the rest of last year. But I feel really calm for the most part and just excited to play volleyball. And, yes, I want to win every game, but it's not life or death if we win or lose. Like, I just want to be able to enjoy because 20 years from now when I look back, it's not going to be like, oh, man, remember when we lost to Marquette? Or it's going to be the memories and how much fun it was playing. And so that's kind of been nice. In talking with Heather yesterday, she she told me just how – how important it was for you to get back and all of the hard work you put in in order to make that happen. What was that experience like working your way back to where you are right now? It was hard. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, oh, it was great. It was just did my little rehab. It was hard. Uh, Definitely. I feel bad for Alex because he dealt with a lot of the emotional side of that. But um, winter semester was really busy. I don't think I've ever been that tired in my life. We had weights in the morning. I'd go to class go sit at practice, go do two and a half hours of rehab, and it was just kind of like go, go, go. But now that I'm out of it, I'm really grateful I just did that because I get to be playing, so it's worth it. What was that like emotionally for you during last season when you knew, okay, this is a special group, you guys are ranked number one for most of the year, and uh, you you have a season-ending knee injury, and you have to watch as the team goes to the Final Four, which was awesome, but you couldn't play in those matches. What was that like for you? I don't wish that on anybody because that sucked. But same thing, just the lessons you get to learn. Like, I didn't plan for that and I didn't want that. But being out of that situation now, I'm just able to look back and see all the things that I got to learn and how much more it made me appreciate being able to play the little things. Like, I never thought I'd be excited to condition because I hate condition. But Wait, there you was a time. In volleyball? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but there was like finally where I was like, oh my gosh, I get to run again, which I never thought I would say that because mm. I'm not a runner gal. But just made me appreciate all the little things and the relationships with my teammates and stuff because even though I wasn't there competing, I still got to experience that with my best friends and that was really cool. It's crazy to think we're already at the point of the year where conference play has begun. When you look back at the non-conference, how do you think the non-conference schedule prepared you for what you'll face in the WCC? I think it was really good. I was talking to Heather the other day just how well she scheduled it because 
I think it allowed us to build a lot of confidence in ourselves with the teams we were playing. They're good teams. We were home. We were away. We kind of got a good mixture of everything. And so I feel like I feel pretty confident going into conference just knowing we've gotten better every single match and hopefully that just continues to keep going and knowing that we can compete with the top teams. doesn't matter if we're young or if we have eight freshmen or whatever. Like We are a good team and we're able to compete at that level. What's it like with this group? Because there were individuals that uh, played with various USA levels of volleyball. Mary at the highest level, which was incredible and obviously a uh, uh, great experience for everybody. So what's this group like as you've set this really high standard? You went to the Final Four last year. You just beat Stanford. Um, you, it feels like you guys have a great chemistry and really high expectations. Yeah, I think we definitely do. Like I've heard people say, I don't I feel so cheesy saying it, but they say like uh, – crap rebuild not reload or something Mm -hmm. like along something like that which sounds kind of cheesy but I feel like that's something our team's always been really good at and Heather says all the time she's like so what now what what's next so so what our team went to the final four what's gonna like what's our goal for this year what is our plan so I think yeah last year was a crazy good season and it was exciting but that was last year and this is a new team and so None of us really care or focus on, oh, we, like, we went to the Final Four last year. We have to be just as, like, we're just going to compete and be as good as we can. And this team is a different story than last year's. Well, so far, so good. Nine and two. The two losses are to uh, Marquette and Texas, who are in the top ten still. Um, and now you have Gonzaga and Portland. So have fun in the great Northwest. I know there's going to be a Isn't ton that of— that kind of where you're from a little bit? Yeah, I grew up in Portland. I did invite the in-laws to go. They can't go. They typically do. But they'll uh, they'll be there in spirit. Spirit. Good luck. And you you are the owner of many scrunchies. Just wanted to bring that up. You have one. Yeah, on how right many now. did you say you found in your locker? Fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> My jersey number though. So that's oh, oh nice. Oh, that's, that that's, that's not a coincidence. That's good luck. That's a campus high. No it's one like has a year more and a half of scrunchie hoarding yeah. in my locker. Hey, okay. between that and the BYU Sports Nation karma. Yeah, let's give you that. That's good luck, Gonzaga. That's pretty good. Have fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Heather Olmstead, BYU women's volleyball head coach, has worked miracles, and she is a miracle. She has her team ranked 13th in the nation right now. Went to the final four last year, seven straight sweet 16s for this program. But you probably don't know what happened with Heather and her twin sister and the fact that that they're even, because they're with us, it is miraculous. Here is an unforgettable deep blue story with head coach Heather Olmstead and her family. I grew up going to the beaches with my dad and we were able to watch really high level volleyball and he was able to coach me. I really just learned a lot about life and doing things you don't want to do. He really gave me self-belief that I could do anything I wanted. That's really been why I've wanted to give that back to others. When you start naming off top coaches, you're naming a bunch of people that are a lot older than she is. She has the highest winning percentage of any coach in history. When she took over, it really hasn't missed a beat. Heather's success at BYU almost didn't happen. Just a normal pregnancy, excited to be expecting my fourth baby. I started with a cough, and it 
concerned the doctor after about three months, and we discovered that I had a tumor in my lung. Things were happening so fast. It was like different opinions were happening daily from different doctors, and it was just barrage. Each time I'd go up there, there'd be a different diagnosis and a different opinion. It seemed to be fast-growing and that they felt that I only had three months to live if nothing was done. And that was just, what? I was advised by doctors that I should abort to save my life. Then the doctor decided to take a final ultrasound scan of the growing fetus. I was awake during that scan, and when I heard one of the doctors say, oh dear, I wondered what they'd found now. But everything changed for me when the doctor said, you are carrying twins. In that moment, I said to myself, the Lord did not allow me to conceive twins only to abort them. I'm gonna deliver the babies. If I die, I die. Believing she had three months to live, they wanted to try to find other options and other people that believed what they did in not aborting the babies. You have to remember that all of this is pre-electronic era. All I remember is it was a Sunday. I went across the street, there was a payphone. I called Dr. Nelson. The doctors here say it's this, they say it's this, that I have to do this, that. And I remember him being, not gruff, but being very firm and saying, young man, do you want to talk? Or would you like to listen to me? So I listened to him, and I just felt comfortable with what, what he had to say. Well, I've got the record of my work on her right here, so I'll read it. The date of this operation was June 16th, 1980. This patient, 30 years of age, is pregnant with twins. She's about 16 weeks into her pregnancy. And she had symptoms of cough and shortness of breath. So her obstetrician got a chest X-ray, which revealed a large tumor in the right lung. I operated upon her at their request that the only way that we could remove it surgically was to take out the whole lung. It was complete inspiration and revelation on that surgery table that he received to know how to navigate that treacherous surgery. This is the kind of an operation that doesn't happen very often. In fact, one time in my career, when I got down to the very most crucial part of the operation, I found that there wasn't a way I could get the tumor away from the heart. There was only room for the blade of the scissors. So I cut the artery and put my finger in the pulmonary artery. And he said, I put my finger in there and did the surgery with one hand. And then put the stitches around the artery and pulled those up and pulled my finger out and tied them down and she survived. So it ended up not just being about the tumor, it ended up you know, being the journey that our family took. When she gave birth, had many complications that she needed to get blood transfusions and so through that she contracted hepatitis C. They didn't know the treatment for it. They didn't know the life expectancy, but they knew it was life-threatening. So I spent a number of years learning how to deal with that, not knowing that someday they would find a treatment. 
Growing up, our mom always treated Heather and I as miracles and said we were her miracle twins to anyone she met. She is an unbelievable mom to all all her seven kids. I think that my mom showed us that we can do hard things, that we can make a decision, stick with it, and see it through to the end, and that we can accomplish and overcome any hard trials that we might have in our life. Can you imagine the courage of that woman when the doctors in California had not been able to remove it surgically and really couldn't help her? She was willing to lay her life on the line for those children. It's a miracle that I'm alive, and I'm grateful for the example of my parents and my mom and my dad who've taught me how to love and how to work hard and how to believe, and I want to give that to others. I don't think she was saved just for this, but I think this is her mission. Her ability to coach and use what she has seen and learned through her whole life and change the lives and affect the lives of young women. At the end of the 2018 season, uh, we were out at the Final Four and they recognized Heather as the National Coach of the Year, which is a really big deal. As a coach, that's the highest award you can get. But the coolest thing about Heather is she doesn't need those accolades to change how she feels about herself or how she continues coaching. What was special is that she asked us to come with her when she was receiving the award because she always tells us that it's a team award and she never made it about herself, but she made it about the team. I can't imagine being at this program without her as our coach. I want the young women on our team to learn never to give up, to always go after what you want throughout their life. They're going to go through hard things, and so we just need to keep pushing one foot in front of the other with faith, and we can accomplish many, many things together as a team especially, and win and lose, and still be kind and loving and be a great example to the community and many people who are watching our team play. Just an unbelievable story. It's one of the best stories I have seen ever. It's fantastic. And I'll never forget when we we saw this, and I had no idea what was coming, and to see that the prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was the doctor was unbelievable. (laughs) It's great to have the Olmstead clan with us. Can't, Can't say it enough. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Dear football, I've missed you. It's been a really long offseason. Every day I talk about you, every day I think about you, you with your crunching pads, eye black, face masks, and crowd roars, the drum line, the tailgates, the cannon blasts, which startle me every time. Flipping cheerleaders, painted faces, and unexpected highs and lows of every season. I've been in love with you my whole life, and now you're back. Welcome back, football. <laughs> this is the highlights of 2019 edition of the best of BYU Sports Nation. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Well, what do you know? QB1 for BYU football making headlines once again. And he revealed a quote Quite a while back, we saw it in an article from Salt Lake Tribune and Jay Drew yesterday saying, and I quote, shoot, I expect to score on every drive. Jerem, 
Is it a realistic expectation for BYU to score on every drive? I can't believe I'm actually asking you this question, but no. let's do it. This is one of the dumbest questions we've ever asked. Yes. Is it realistic to expect them to score on every drive? No. What, are we stupid? No. No, but it's, it's okay that he says it. Yeah. Expect, you expect to be great. Do I expect to miss a single shot when I, when I shoot in basketball? I'm, I'm expecting that ball to go in. If it doesn't go in, I'm not shocked. But I'm expecting the ball to go in. That's fine. Whatever. BYU ranked in the 50s last year in points per drive and whatnot, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. In 2018, BYU ranked in the 50s in points per drive, points per play, and offensive efficiency. Okay. So I think BYU probably needs to get into the 40s and maybe the high 30s to expect to win eight-plus games. Um, BYU needs to be more explosive. BYU needs to be better on first down. He needs to throw on first down a little more. I think I've given the receivers a bit of a hard time, and it's not been completely their fault. Partially, sure. But let's talk about it. Tanner Mangum, for a year and a half, uh, was, and he was hurt part of 2017, but just wasn't good enough. That team wasn't good enough, right? And then the first part of 2018 with the new offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, BYU was kind of slow out of the gate, right? Um, BYU started to do some nice things the back half of the schedule with Zach Wilson, where he got more comfortable. The coaches got more comfortable with Zach. I think BYU won't score on every drive. Shocker! But I think that they'll score on more drives than they did last year, which is the goal. What do you want him to say, people? What do you want the quarterback to say? Ah, well, you know, I think we're really hopeful that um, we can score on some drives and be uh, pretty good. He chose like, to say every drive, though. He didn't have to. Well, what, what do you want him to say? Do you want him to run up there and be like, well, we're probably not going to score on this drive, but I have zero issue with him saying I am confident and I expect that we will go and score on every drive. You should expect that. Why are you playing if you don't go out there and expect to do something good given the opportunity? It's like you said, when you shoot the shot, you expect to make it. I don't declare to everyone that that's my expectation. You just though. did. No. You just did on Be- the air. Because it's a topic we're discussing. I didn't bring it up independently. I don't know what the question he was asked. Whatever. They're not going to score in every drive. But if they score in more drives than last year, fantastic. Look good, feel good, play good, Jason. BYU is implementing that philosophy this week with the throwback uniform honoring the 60s and 70s, the fullback, and a field to match. What is your reaction now that you've had essentially 24 hours to think about these uniforms and the field to come on Saturday? It's the same thing when I originally saw it. I was super impressed and excited. I love this. Look, BYU, for the most part, and I understand why, because... Their logo is is fairly iconic. I mean, it's very recognizable. Everything stays pretty consistent in terms of that. So you don't see a lot of variations. So the mere fact that there's just a little bit of a change is very exciting. Then you actually look at the design and the fact that it's, it's throwing back to decades ago. I love the look. I love the white and the royal. And, and, and the helmet, I think, is fantastic. I'll tell you the thing I'm most excited about is the design in the end zones. I absolutely love that design, so much so that I think that could become a signature look for BYU. Like, like what Tennessee has with the checker, I, I think that's something that BYU could keep and moving forward, and that would be a, something that would set Lavelle Edwards Stadium apart with that look. I love it. See, I think that, as yeah, as interesting as the throwback uniforms are, if BYU could implement different field designs each and every week, 
That would keep things very interesting. I like the skinny, big block letters that BYU played with when they beat Miami when right. Ty Detmer was the quarterback. Or sometimes when you paint the B and the Y and the U in, in that navy blue to give it that look, and there's a navy blue Y that's painted in the middle of the field. I like that stuff. I, I like changing it up. But here's the thing. As great as it is to have new uniforms and a wide out and as aesthetically pleasing as it's all going to be, the real juice in the stadium comes from winning. Sure. And fans are going to show up because BYU has beaten Tennessee and they have beaten USC, and now they have a chance at Washington. BYU basketball considered by our friend Joe Lenardi at ESPN Lenardi and his latest bracket because of the Cougars' big win against Houston. TJ Haas, thank you very much. What is the path for BYU to get an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament? They're being considered by Mr. Lenardi. Consider the lilies, how they grow, how they grow. Uh, I think BYU would need at least three more quad one wins. Let's assume that Houston stays a quad one win. They need to stay top 75 in the net ranking. I think BYU would need three more. I see six other opportunities probably on the schedule. Let's walk through it. Kansas in Maui if BYU beats UCLA. Utah State is a game BYU can win. On BYU TV, December 14th. Neutral site. At St. Mary's, January 9th. At Gonzaga, January 18th. And then neutral St. Mary's if it's two versus three seed on uh, semifinal Monday. Neutral versus Gonzaga if BYU won that in the title game. There are six more opportunities. Can BYU win three of those? I think BYU could beat Utah State. I think BYU could win at St. Mary's. And then BYU would probably have to beat Gonzaga once or St. Mary's again in the tourney. Is Gonzaga in Provo going to be a quad one opportunity? Oh, yes, yes. Good point. So there are seven left. Can BYU win three more? I think that BYU needs four quad one wins to hang. Because what happens is you get like, let's say Syracuse is just okay. They're 18 and 15 going into Selection Sunday. But they've played like 12 quad ones, and they probably won at least five. Yeah, You know what I mean? So those are the kind of resumes that BYU has to go up against should they not win the tourney. I feel like BYU's best shot at going to the NCAA tournament is winning the WCC title. Like, that's the clearest actual path. Because without Gavin Baxter, uh, without Yoli Childs for the nine games, I just think it's going to be hard. What the Cougars cannot do is have a quad four loss. And they've had a few of these over the last few years. BYU was great last year, by the way, and at avoiding the bad losses. But they, they just, couldn't get a big win. They didn't have good wins. And then they finished the season with a bad loss all of a sudden, right, with San Diego. So can BYU avoid that just absolutely devastating quad four loss and pick up a few more quad one wins. That's that is the path. I like that you brought up Syracuse four and eight against quad one teams. They were they had they won a third of the games against quad one competition, and that got them into the NCAA tournament. It's good to be the Cuse, right? So if BYU is four and three against quad one competition. Oh, four and or maybe even three and four, Jared. Three and four, you at least they're bubbly. The, yes, they're bubbly. Brett McMurphy of Stadium Sports tweeted the following yesterday of interest to BYU. Pac-12's final bowl in the 20-25 to bowl cycle will be split with Independence Bowl and ESPN-owned bowls versus Group 5 opponents, BYU or Army, sources told Stadium. Pac-12's other bowls in new cycle, Rose, Alamo, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Holiday, Redbox, and Sun. So beyond this season, which is uh, should BYU be bowl eligible, and not make the college football playoff, alert. they would be in the alert. Hawaii Bowl. And that's on alert. Christmas Eve. Uh, I fully expect BYU to be in that bowl game this season. 
for programming around. People are like, is BYU going to be in a bowl game? I'm like, yes, they're going to be in a bowl game. Just count on it, right? Count down to kickoff that day. All good, right? And uh, Cougar pregame live and everything else. But this is interesting because uh, I – like the idea of a matchup against a Pac-12 team in a bowl game. A Power 5 bowl game has been something BYU's played at times, not as much recently. And BYU's um, had success in those bowl games. Yes, one recently, not as much. But there ha- – well, yeah, some, some yes, some no. 2013 Washington, no. Uh, 2015 Utah, no. Uh, but there have You've been, beaten Oregon. You've beaten right, UCLA. Right. Back when BYU would win 10 or 11 games. <laughs> yes, well, over a decade ago. Absolutely. So, obviously, the Rose is not a game BYU is going to be in. But Alamo. Or will they? Vegas, obviously, a lot of history there. I, I wouldn't mind going to Vegas every, like, five years with BYU. Los Angeles, that's a newer bowl game. Yes. Uh, or brand new. Holiday, I'd be, I'd be, it'd be awesome if BYU made a holiday. Well, that's a, that's a big game. Typically, that's the, uh, the Rose Bowl light, the JV Rose Bowl, if you will. And with BYU's history in that bowl, yes. that adds a, like, another level to it. Last year, it was the losers of the Big Ten and Pac-12 title games. It was Utah against Northwestern. Northwestern won. So that, that's, that's a good bowl game. There aren't a ton of great bowl games outside of the New Year's Six. I think Holiday is a really good one. Red Box, that one's at Levi Stadium. Uh, that, that was formerly at AT&T Park. Essentially, BYU played in that one and three brand. The game has to be played within 24 hours, otherwise you get charged. <laughs> and if you want the Blu-ray, it's $2 instead of one. It's an yeah. extra dollar for your ticket. If and you then want. the Sun Bulls in El Paso. So I like uh, the possibility of this. This doesn't mean BYU will be in one, but I would say Alamo, Vegas, LA Holiday, Redbox, or Sun – that in the next five years, uh, it's conceivable that BYU could be in one of those games. And it opens up the possibility of having a second game against Utah. They're not going to rematch it. No. Why wouldn't they? It would be awesome. But it's Why not, wouldn't they? It's not going to happen. Because, because it's not 07 with UCLA. <laughs> when the, there was a rematch, it's 12 years later. I it's understand just, they not try happen. not to have rematches, but you can't. They can fully avoid it. But if they you want. can't tell me that that would not be an intriguing matchup. For television, which is what yes, drives this. Yes, but the two schools have a, they partially have a say, right? And Larry Scott They have some say, say. Larry Scott could say, if this is played, it's at 9 a.m. <laughs> That's when it's going to be played, dang it. So, uh, yeah, we don't know BYU's bowl game ties beyond this season, so perhaps one of these. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is our Independence Day celebration, and our guest could not fit the model and mode of America more, in our opinion. It is Jeff Judkins. You own horses. You own trucks. You're a basketball guy. Hoops, ah. you love this country. Coach, welcome to our Independence Day celebration. I really do love this country. and I had uh, the lucky fortune to go play in the World Games and represent uh, the United States. And we had a pretty good team. Larry Bird was on that team. And we ended up beating Russia for the gold medal. And so I still have that gold medal. Think about it all the time and how proud I was to be an American. You strike me as a guy that may be into Fourth uh, of July and fireworks. You got any big plans for uh, for the fourth tomorrow? Well, I have basketball camp tomorrow. <laughs> While you guys are enjoying it, um, we'll we'll have some time tomorrow night after camp. We're going to probably have a barbecue and 
I do like watching fireworks. I think my mom and dad at a young age took me down to Liberty Park Mm -hmm. where a lot of fireworks back those days. And I kind of got that bug a little bit. And then I have a son-in-law that used to, I guess, shoot off fireworks. I don't know what what the right – Like design like the program? The whole program and do it. Oh, wow. And it was unbelievable how much time it took for him to do that. And so I kind of have a little bit of that. You know, I kind of like the, you know, the celebration. It it really is probably one of the only holidays that a coach, basketball coach, could enjoy. And I now I got camp tomorrow, but um, it's just, it's one of those holidays that you really take advantage of. Jeff Judkins with us on BYU Sports Nation. It is Independence Week in Studio B. And uh, like you said, the work goes on. In fact, you are currently searching for some new assistant coaches. Where do you stand in the hiring process as you said goodbye to Dan Nielsen and Ashley Garfield? Well, you know, it's tough to replace people when you've had them for a long time. But I'm really excited for Dan. And he's wanted to be head coach. And he's worked hard and done what he needs to do to try to get that position. And there's no doubt in my mind he will do a great job at Utah Valley. Ashley, uh, you know, I had for four years and coached her and there's nobody that works harder than and really cares about basketball and has a great mind herself. She was just getting to feel real comfortable and I think she'll be a great asset for Dan. The process at BYU takes a long, long time. It goes through uh, applications and of course there's been a lot of great applications and I go through that and then I narrow it down and then it goes through um, other parts of BYU, the HR, make sure everything is fine. Um, I'm hoping next week to be able to have that completed. It just takes that long with interviews and and everything going on. And, um, you know, it's it's tough. This is probably the hardest part of my job is to call a coach who really is a great coach and say, I'm sorry, I'm going a different direction because there's so many good coaches. But somebody told me the other day, isn't it nice to have that good of – uh, people that have applied to want to go into coaching at BYU. And I, and I look at it and I go, yeah, I guess I really am blessed to really have that. One of the things that obviously occupies your time when you're not in the season is recruiting. I'm curious what the response has been from players you've talked to after this season. Obviously, you look at the program as a whole, but a lot of it's recency bias, and they're going to see what you just yeah. did most recently. You guys had a really nice season, I mean, a great season, and a really nice run in the NCAA tournament. How was that factored into the recruiting process? There, there's no question that success in the NCAA and success being on social media makes a difference when you walk into a gym. Um, I never realized how much BYU TV how many people watch our games until I go away from Utah. And, I mean, referees to fans to players, they all see us on TV. And um, that recognition, I think, really helps us with our program because I really believe this. If we can get a recruit on campus, we have a pretty good shot of getting them. Uh, you know, and, and that, that's really what the key is. And so – Having a young team, I think we're really excited and about the future. But, you know, things can can kind of give you a little bit of wave, and you have to be really careful. But my team, we've really focused this summer on, you know, we're not satisfied, you know, and we want to, we want to do more. We want to be able to, to win a conference and be able to, to go to the NCAA tournament and go farther in the tournament. So 
you were, I saw your one of your things you were saying, what's more important, the red-white game and all that. Football, there's no question. The Utah football game is by far the most important game to them, period. For us, the Utah game is really important because it sets the tone for recruiting in the state. But I can't say that Gonzaga and the conference is not important too. And so it's kind of different in every sport. I think you look at every sport at BYU and you say, what what is the most important? There's no question that Utah game, that rivalry game is important. And if people say it isn't, they're crazy because it is. <laughs> You're constantly hearing all the time. So you know, those are important games. We talked about eight years of West Coast Conference inclusion for BYU Athletics yesterday, and BYU Women's Basketball has had several memorable moments since you joined the WCC, going back to that first conference tournament championship against the aforementioned Gonzaga. Of course, you had that Sweet 16 run in uh, 2014 and what you did last year. So in your opinion, women's basketball specific, what's the top moment since BYU Women's Basketball has been in the West Coast Conference? Um, I would say two games stick out to me. When we got in the league, Gonzaga was undefeated for three straight years. And they came the first year, and they came to BYU. And they had a really good team, and we we beat them by 30. And I think we set the tone for the league that they could be beat. Uh, and that year, of course, we won the tournament. We beat Gonzaga again in the tournament. Um, there's no doubt the sweet – 16 team of what we did and what we accomplished. We we didn't win the tournament, but we had a great season and we, I think, really made the conference strong. Um, and then, of course, there's no question this year beating Gonzaga at Gonzaga. It's the, only, it's the only team I have not beaten on the road. And it was a big game for us. And to be able to come in and play like we did and win that game was probably the three biggest you know, I really think we've we've changed the Western Coast with BYU coming in there. Um, the first year we didn't win the all-round sports. We've won it ever since, and we've dominated it. Um, so I think we've made a big difference in this conference, and our conference is a very strong conference. We're in the women's basketball. People don't realize we're number seven RPI in the country. Wow. And now with UConn leaving and going the Big East, um, it's going to make it a little bit harder. But we passed the Big East this year. So um, it's it, – it, I think we're you – know, our, our conference is really going up. And then volleyball, as you well know, with what Heather's done, has been amazing. And Jennifer with soccer. I mean, we've really changed this conference. And um, I'm excited for the men's basketball. I think Mark is – is really, I think, uh, fired up to really do something in this conference. So should be another great year. One of the other reasons, which, again, there are many as to why you were a great American, is because you're a sports fan and you follow a lot of different sports. Correct. I wanted to get your opinion on the NBA and, and specifically Jimmer. Jimmer right now playing in the uh, the NBA Summer League with the Golden State Warriors, and we've talked a lot about whether or not that's a good fit, whether from a, from a system perspective or the fact that Golden State needs to fill some roster spots. What do you think about Jimmer and the Golden State Warriors? Do you think there's a chance he could make that roster? There, there's no question. Jimmer, in my opinion, is good enough to play in the league. I think what happens, and it's really sad that this happens sometimes, but I see it over and over. They get a rap, and they never can get rid of that. And his rap when he got in the league is he couldn't guard anybody. 
Well, there's a lot of guys that can't guard anybody in that league. Truth. Okay? Truth bombs and, from and Jody. So, and so I don't know. I know right now that the game is being three-point spread out, um, one-on-one kick it. And he's got to get on a team that the offense is around that where he can be able to do it. And hopefully the person that does that penetration is a person that's not the point guard. Leonard, LeBron James, James Harden, um, maybe Mitchell. I'm not, you know, I mean, people that can get to the basket that aren't strictly point guards where he can fit. Kind of like, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy in Toronto, the point guard that hit a lot of shots. Lowry? Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, the kind of, that's the kind of guy I think Jimmer could be if he gets in a team like that because – there's no doubt in my mind he shoots as good as anybody, anybody. And if he gets on that team, and it's just it's the funny, it's just getting that break and getting on that right situation is what makes you sometimes and breaks you. And um, he's so talented. I mean, I still, to this day, I don't know if anybody's had a better senior year than that guy had in college. Incredible. He was the national player of the year because yeah. of that season. Yeah. Jimmer's got his own signature shoe based uh, with 361 basketball in China. And uh, your own Shaylee Gonzalez is big into uh, <laughs> sneakers, and she's got she's making her own custom shoes and ordering things. If Jeff Judkins had a signature shoe, what would it be? What would it look like? <laughs> what would be? What would the Juddy look like? The Juddy look like would be comfortable first. <laughs> no, what what it looks like at all? Just comfort. Okay. We're talking second, about a casual shoe here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then something, I guess, sharp. Not like a lot of different. Just a simple sharp. Okay. Shoe. So it probably for me would be, it'd be a pony stripe because that's what I wore. That was the big show. Wore <laughs> pony striped, simple but really nice, sharp color. You know, high top. High top for oh, yeah. sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, is there somewhere out there where there's a royal blue pony shoe with just a white? Pony stripe. I don't know. If somebody's got that. I, I will wear it at yes, the game. Yes. I will wear it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Jetty. <laughs> the Jetty one. The Jetty one. <laughs> the Jetty one. I like that. I like that. But, you know, Shaylee is pretty uh, creative and is, it doesn't surprise me one bit that she does something like that. Yeah, she's a sneakerhead for sure. Yeah, for she sure. is, that girl. All right, we're searching the interwebs for the Jetty One. <laughs> See if we can get it. Pony, is Pony even still a brand we'll right now? We'll find that out. I don't know. Yeah, But, you know, Nike can do it for me, too. I'll do Nike. I, I, I love Nike's logo. Sure. I think it's it's simple, and it, and that's that's how I like things. Uh, a Royal Blue Air Force One high top. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. what I want. Let's yep. go. Jetty, it's great to talk hey, to thanks, you. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks <laughs> for being here. Happy Fourth of July. Yes. Yeah, you too. Have fun at the stadium. Damn the fire. <laughs> We're watching the fireworks from a distance. <laughs> I like that. Thanks, Jetty. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. In case you missed it, here's some of the best of Bill Walton from last night. Okay, the Cougars. I love Cougars here oh in Maui. <laughs> Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the blood of little ones. So These they... Cougars have come to fight today. Everybody under 6'10 looks exactly the same to me. Guards. Feed the post. Inbound the ball. 
play token defense on the perimeter and get out of the way. <laughs> but this guy, how did he become Danny Ainge's nephew? Uh, I think he was born into it. It's usually how it works. Really? Why does Danny always look so happy? One of the 12 worst possessions in the history of UCLA basketball. What were they trying to do? Your best aim story, Bill. Please, I don't live in a qualitative, binary, decision-making world. And I looked at both of them, and I pointed to Danny, and I said, hey, the only thing I hate more than a guard, and then I turned to Jerry Seesing, and I said, is a second-string guard. And then, I, <laughs> and then I walked away and said, let's play ball. <laughs> Cougars clawing, proud, growling, Arrgh! an absolute clinic on how to play basketball. Congratulations to the Cougars, Mark Pope. What a start to a brilliant career in the WCC. Nobody is like Bill Walton, and that's probably a good thing. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. I'm here with Jake Oldroyd, the kicker and punter of the BYU football team. He's having a phenomenal season so far, but we want to go around campus to see how many of these students actually know who he is. We're going to go undercover. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. 32-yard try for Oldroyd. And it's good. How's it going, man? You look like a football fan. Yes, sir. Excuse me, ladies. Could I grab a minute of your time? Hey, how's it going? Doing well. Do you mind if I sit in between you guys real quick? Awesome. Excuse me. Yeah, perfect. My name is Johnny Linehan. I'm with BYU TV. Um, we just wanted to grab a couple of your thoughts from the game last Saturday. It was crazy. And did you guys see the USC game? We did, yeah. What were your thoughts? It was a big win, right? Um, yeah, surprised a little bit. Yeah, it was a big win. Looks like we're a Utah fan. Okay, so I'm going to be talking to you, Rochelle, for the remainder of this interview. Did you watch the BYU-USC football game? Yeah, I was there. Did you storm the field at the end of the game? Yeah. Yeah. How was that? I've, I've never been a part of anything like that. It was pretty crazy. Super exciting. I mean, high five Zach Wilson. Um... Never wash that hand again. That's <laughs> yeah. sacred. Um, it was a good win. You know, we pulled it out in the end. It looked, it looked a little shaky after that first USC drive, but uh, the defense came up big with some picks. You know, we actually have a team, which is nice. Yeah. I just wish we'd played that well against Utah. Believe it or not, we've always had a team. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, with regards to BYU special teams? I really don't know a lot about that, honestly. <laughs> well, yeah, most people don't really realize that, you know, special teams is one of the most integral parts of uh, every football game. I mean, we have a kicker, finally, so that's really exciting. Uh, you, do you know his name? I actually don't. <laughs> do you guys know uh, anything about the kicker, punter? I think his name's Jake. Not personally. Sorry. Nothing. Shoot. It's okay, usually he's always wearing a helmet, so. What about the name uh, Jake Oldroyd? Does that ring any bells for you? Yes, he's the punter, kicker. Both, actually. Wow, good for you. Did you know that, David? Or Sure did. You just, you just know the Utah kickers. <laughs> he went three for four on field goals. I mean, I'll take that any day. Honestly, I've been really impressed with our kicker, especially with that last kick in overtime. I was really worried it was, you know, going a little out, but he pulled it through. Put a little bit of a draw on it. It looked like you kind of did that on purpose. He kicked like a 43-yard field goal. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. Most people wouldn't know that. Have you heard of any of the nicknames that, that people have been giving him that's been kind of a hot topic lately? No, I haven't, actually. What are they? Um, Jake the Make. Goldroid. I like that one. Ice Coldroid. That's good, too. Um, Goldroid. 
swole droid, whatever you want that rhymes with droid. I think I've heard Golderoid as well. I think that one's pretty sick. Golderoid, that's pretty dope, yeah. Jake the Make doesn't really you know, roll off the tongue quite as well. Swole droid. I can go all day. I don't really like any of them. Thanks for your time, man. My name's no, Jake Goldroid. You're, you're Jake Goldroid. <laughs> yeah. Nice to meet you, man. <laughs> nice to meet you, too. Yeah. Brigham. Brigham, that's right. And okay. Jake. Jake, yeah. Jake the Make? <laughs> Jake Goldroid, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> hey, great game, that's man. Right. That was good. <laughs> My name's Jake Goldroid. Oh, nice really? to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. My name's Jake Goldroid. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Oh, man. oh, dang it. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess you do know who I am. I know exactly who you are. I watched your first kick. I was so excited. First kick as in, like, of this year? As or When you were a freshman and had your green shoes. She knows. <laughs> yes. Love it. All right, thanks. <laughs> really appreciate it. Jake, I'm pretty sure you just met your, your biggest fan ever, Sydney. <laughs> that was awesome. First person that had reacted like that of everybody that we talked to today. But So you mentioned a bunch of your nicknames. Which one do you actually like of all those? On the record, I don't like Jake the Make, and I've never liked Jake the Make. Who made up Jake the Make? Do you know? I think Greg Rebell first, when he called my first game, said it. But no, no offense to Greg. No offense, Greg. No. I don't really feel like I need a nickname, but if I had to pick one, I like Ice Cold Droid. Um... The strength coaches have called me Swole Droid for a while, but I don't know if that needs to leave the weight room. <laughs> What's your one final message to the fans? <laughs> the fans are loyal. Like the the people that we've talked to so far have been great. I've you know really appreciative of the the student section. They come out every week, and we hear them. So keep coming, and we're excited to hear them on Saturday. All right, go Cougs! Jake, <laughs> Ice Cold Droid. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. You know who else probably likes the way you think, Jason? Our next guest, Josie Gwynn of BYU Women's Soccer. Josie, welcome in tournament mode. Thank you. Holy cow, Louisville coming to town um, I, I just want to know this. Rewind to the moment at halftime. BYU is leading Boise State two to one, and things kind of slowed down. What did your coach Jen Rock would say to you in the locker room to spur eventually a five to one blowout? Yeah, well, she just kind of went over our stats from that game compared to all the other games, and how we just needed to get some more shots off, and how we are. She, we knew we were the better team, and she knew, and she knew that we just needed to step it up and keep going at them. So it wasn't John Legend music that you were playing that inspired you? I wish. (laughs) (laughs) That's something that this team has done a remarkable job of this entire season is coming out of halftime. And and if you guys have scored in bunches coming out of halftime, what, what, what is the mindset of this team coming into that second 45? Because you guys have had so much success all year long. Yeah, well, I think we know how good of a team we are. And we know how good our attack is. And honestly, when we come in at halftime and we're not super happy with our performance or haven't scored as many goals as we think we should, um, I think everyone is just that much more motivated to go out in the second half and prove to everyone that we are better. 
What's you? Yeah, go ahead. We're really competitive on our oh, team. So. No, I was going to go there, especially you. Yeah. You are yes. very, very competitive. So, uh, yeah. you know, nice off the field, not so much on the field, but you're not supposed to be. So walk yeah. us through your mentality when you're in a heated soccer match. Well, I have been very competitive since I was born. I think my mom, you can ask her, our whole family's super competitive. And so... I just, when I step on the soccer field, I have these little can-do statements in my mind. Like, I can beat that player. I know I can beat that player. And so when that's constantly going through my mind, I'm not going to let anyone try. That's not going to happen. It's just not. You see, and, I, and I've told you this before. Uh, I, there's a reason why when I when I fill in for Greg and I'm calling some of the games, I call you the bulldog because you have that mentality. You are just, you are not going to give an inch. So at this point, what do you guys know about Louisville? Well, I think we'll know more today because we usually go over a little scouting report the day before our games. But I think, honestly, we're just ready to go out there and play the game that we've played all year long. Obviously, what we've been doing has been working for us. So uh, Clearly. Yeah, so I think it's just sticking to what we've been doing and preparing the same way we've been been preparing all year. Josie Gwynn of BYU Women's Soccer, the lone unbeaten team remaining in all the land with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, how do you block out the noise of that undefeated top four team, number two seed? How, how, how do you handle that? Yeah, sometimes it can, it can get in your head, but I think our coaches and our team as a whole has done a really good job at just taking it one game at a time. I think it started earlier in the season when we started winning a lot of our games. We just continued to focus on the next game and what we needed to do and what we needed to do to get the job done. Um, just taking it one game at a time, I think... It's really important to do that, obviously. But like you're saying, there's lots of noise around our team and around BYU soccer. Largely thanks to what we do. Exactly, <laughs> right? <You know>? so, <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't, we don't want to jinx anything. But I, I do want to ask this follow-up question because it's oft overlooked. BYU was trailing 2 to nothing at Santa Clara and had to score two goals essentially late to get that tie and stay unbeaten mm-hmm. and keep yeah. the streak going. What happened in that game? What, uh, what were you thinking? What were you feeling when you're trailing two to nothing in the second half? Well, yeah, going into that game, I don't think any of us expected to get scored on like that. We knew it's, it's always a tough game when we play Santa Clara, especially when we go to their place and we know they're a good team. Um, but I think honestly, it might've been a little bit of a wake up call when they scored those goals. And then we regrouped at halftime and we came out. And I think it's just the overall mentality of the team. We, we're we not going to get beat. Like I said, everyone on the team is super competitive. So I think just regrouping at halftime and then coming out, we were on fire. We weren't going to lose to Santa Clara or at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to preface this question by saying we realize that the greatest moment is still to come for this season. But what is your favorite moment thus far of this season for you? Oh, I don't know. There's been a lot of really cool moments. One of the funniest moments was last game when Jamie Shepard got that header, and I thought she scored it, and so did she. So she went sprinting the other way. But actually, Cam scored it. Yeah, got Cameron a little touch. Like, hey, uh, I, yeah. I, I actually got that. I know. I was yeah. really confused when everyone ran to Cam, though. Who do I, I I'd go with it. But. <laughs> no, but honestly, I think one of my favorite moments was when we beat – Oh, either Alabama or Mississippi, I can't remember which one, where Kayla scored uh, off a free kick in like the last like two minutes of the game to 
um, win the game. Yeah, it was the 88th minute. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That it, would have been Mississippi It was State. Mississippi, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, I think it just kind of set the tone for the whole entire season. I just think at that moment we were like, yeah, let's go. Like, we can come in clutch, I think. So... That's really awesome. I think that's interesting that that a moment like that in the second game of the year, like you things started to click, like you guys realized in that moment that this could be a pretty special season. Oh, yeah. I just remember being so like I've never been so excited. I've never given her the biggest hug like that before just because it was such an awesome I can't breathe yeah so awesome <laughs> Josie Gwynn with us on BYU Sports Nation of fourth ranked BYU women's soccer the Cougars ready for a second round showdown with Louisville you can watch that game on BYU TV tomorrow night 8 Eastern 5 Pacific listen on BYU radio okay before you go Josie I want to kind of zone in on your competitive nature again in practice who do you hate practicing against the most on your team oh gosh well, I'll tell you who I love to be on the same team as. I love to be on the same team as Alyssa. Oh. When you're against Alyssa, it's she's so competitive. Well, everyone on the team is, but you love to have her on your team. You hate to have her not on your team. <laughs> That's just how it goes. <laughs> I love it. Okay, yeah. let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. If you're not aware of how that works, hopefully you are. Yeah, you, you can I, ask any of your teammates. Yep. You will play better. It will happen because you okay. gave us some of your time and, and uh, joined us on the show. All right. Okay, we need you. you to sign the flag as well if you don't mind. Thank you so much. All right, Josie Thank Glenn, you, Josie. BYU Women's Soccer in the house. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Time for some reality television and radio right now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline as we welcome in one of our favorites, former BYU quarterback great Max Hall who's won a ton of games. In fact, he's the winningest quarterback in BYU football history. Max, great to have you back on the show. Hey, guys. How you doing? That's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, that's nice. Hey, who did you like more when you played, Dennis Pitta or Austin Collie? Oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> don't do that to me. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Austin. Dennis, Dennis was kind of a... Uh, yeah, you know, I can't say it on the radio. But yeah, I, I like that answer. I like that answer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Fall camp starts today, and I know all of us are feeling that little twinge of energy because we're almost there, 29 days away from BYU Utah to open the season. As a player, Max, what is it like to come in and experience day one of fall camp? Um. For me, it was always, I mean, like you said, it's exciting. You kind of get a little bit of nerves, a little bit of butterflies. Everybody's kind of got that feeling. Hey, football's starting. Um, you really get a chance to see what the team's going to look like, and guys are still kind of fighting for starting positions. And it's competitive. Uh, it's, it's just, it, it's fun, man. It's, uh, it's, it's fun to see how fast, I mean, from an offensive perspective, you guys can click and get together and, all the hard work you put in in the off season and spend with the receivers and um, how that gels together. But sometimes it takes the offense a few days to get rolling. But um, it, the best thing is just that feeling that finally football season is here. So that's what I love about it. In player run practices, you can see who's doing what and who's putting in the work and whatnot. But when you get to fall camp, those first couple of days, do you know who really put in the work and who didn't immediately just by the way they look? Um, well, I, the players know. 
and the players that we don't put in the work, they know when there's chemistry there that um, comes. Um, but, yeah, I think guys are more sharp. They're more crisp. They know what they're doing. They're on the same page. And um, you can definitely tell, and I think the coaches can tell, too, within the, within the first couple days um, who's ready to go and who's lying behind. Zach Wilson is the incumbent starting quarterback. You know what that's like to come back and, and be the guy that is expected to take the reins and, and go with it. Um, what kind of pressure is Zach Wilson feeling on his shoulders right now? You know, knowing Zach, I don't think he's feeling a lot of pressure. Um, I just think he's got, he's got an attitude and a swag to him that uh, I would assume that he's more like, let's finally, this is my show. Let's get this thing rolling and let me take this thing where it needs to go. So um, he's definitely got a confidence to him that I don't. I, I really don't think he's still in pressure. But we need to get this thing going and show everybody what he can do. You're literally coming off the practice field. So how did practice go this morning for your offense? We actually had a really good practice. So I was very pleased. On Monday we had a really bad practice, and I was screaming and yelling at the kids. Which, <laughs> you know, I got Dennis Pitta and Tyler Kozlowski coach with me over oh, here. Boy. Sometimes they just laugh at me. Oh boy! You know, it's, it's like we're playing again. Dennis and Tyler are over there goofing around, and I'm having to tell them to shut up and be quiet. You know, it's, uh, I would happily do that for you. I need you. <laughs> is, I need you is to Dennis, come down. And, is Dennis there right now? Uh, he is. I think he just took off. Oh, a classic. He might still be over there. Should I, should I go grab him? Yeah. Have yeah, him yeah grab on? Dennis. I, I need to have a chat with him. <laughs> while you're walking right. to yeah, get him, you're, Max, while you're, talking. while you're walking to get him, Zach Wilson said uh, to the Salt Lake Tribune in an interview that he, and speaking of confidence, expects to score on every drive. What do you think about a statement like that from a guy that is just heading into a sophomore season? I love it. Because I thought the same thing when I played, and you know, it's what I love about it is it's a mentality. What kind of mentality are you going to have every time the offense goes out there and gets the football? And that should be your mentality that we're going to score every time we get the ball. And um, I, I love it, man. It shows a lot of confidence from Zach and a lot of confidence with his teammates. So hopefully, they kind of feed off that and. Um, you know, they can roll with it, but that's exactly what you want your quarter, starting quarterback saying. How big of a uh, leap do you think the offense will take with year two of Jeff Grimes, year two of Zach? Now he knows he's the guy. Last year he was kind of competing with Tanner Mangum. Ultimately, Mangum won the job. Um, how much of a leap do you think the offense could take this year? Okay, hold on. I didn't hear that question because I'm calling Dennis over right now. Okay. Yeah. Come on. Dennis Pitta is making his way over to Max yeah, Hall. Yeah. The two Dennis, hanging out Dennis coaching football <laughs> <laughs> in Arizona as Max is live with us on BYU Sports Nation. Now, Max, uh, while Dennis makes his way over, I do want to ask you about the X's and O's factor with Zach Wilson. And Jeremy and I had a, a chance to sit down with Zach and film a commercial last week, and we, we essentially just had like a half an hour or an hour to talk and pick his brain. Uh, that dude loves football. Like, he's a really smart kid, and he gets good grades, but he cannot get enough football. Um, what have you noticed about your interactions with him and how his knowledge of the game has progressed since last year? Um, the, the little bit I know is I was able to spend some time with him in spring ball, and I was also able to spend some time with the coaching staff and 
get their input. And uh, just at that spring game, we sat there and talked ball for probably an hour. And I was actually really impressed with his knowledge of the game. Um, I think he's a I think he's a film rat. Watches a lot of films, studies the plays, and then talking to A Rod. A Rod's like, man, Zach is texting me all the time, asking me about plays, everything down to releases and and mesh points and uh, you know reads and all that. So you're right. I don't think he can get enough. And um, he's definitely a football guy, and that's the type of guy we need right now. We need a guy who's all in, invested, and knows every detail of the offense. Um, that's the guy you want in control. You were on hey, the. Say hi to Dennis. Oh, Dennis, is, Dennis, Dennis is here. Dennis. Hello, Jerem. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had time for Dennis Pitta today. How are you today, Dennis? You know, I do have to say, I am sick of you guys disrespecting me every segment at the end of the show. <laughs> What? We didn't have time. It's not funny, okay? <laughs> oh. De- Dennis, Max you... said you, you guys are dorking around. He's trying to run a practice on offense. He needs you to dial it in. What's going on? Yeah, I, I just am here. I'm, I'm talking to the kids. I'm just joking around with them. I'm always the one getting yelled at by Max at practice. <laughs> just he, indirectly, he directs it at the kids, but he's really talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis, you just stole the show, man. You just stole what? the show. Well, I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. What do, you, what do you mean he stole the show? He gets on one time and complains, and now he's stealing the show? You know, he's back there He's back there chit-chatting with the guys. i got to turn around and be like, hey, can you guys be quiet for one second? And, we, need, we need last chance you with your team. Oh That's what I want. Goodness. Yes. Listen, Max is just mad that I stole his thunder right now. I, I feel bad. I'll get off the call. I'll let him finish. He needs his moment right now. Yeah, we've had our fill, Dennis. We're good, man. <laughs> hey, I'm, oh. I'm, so mad, I'm so mad right now because KSL came out with something like uh, rating top BYU players. Uh-huh. And I was eight, and they put Dennis and Austin in front of me. And I'm just like, who Boo. made that list? Who was, the winning, who was the winningest quarterback all time in BYU football history? Yeah, oh, Dennis goes to a Super Bowl, catches a touchdown, the lights go out. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm pretty sure I won just as many games as Max. They get credit for all the wins. That's true. I might be the winningest tight end in BYU history, yeah. and nobody's giving me credit for that. You're also the dude whose helmet fell off the most. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This might be the greatest interview we've ever done on this BYU is, Sports yeah. Nation. It was really good up until a certain point. It was good, yeah. <laughs> you guys need to start calling me the winningest tight end in BYU because I've played every game that Max played. That's going to happen. I actually have a few wins he doesn't my freshman year. <laughs> That's that, true. That is going to happen. That is true. The winningest tight end in BYU history. <laughs> Dennis Bitter. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, wow, Dennis. I had, I had one thing going for me. And now you just stole that. <laughs> we can share it together. <laughs> Holy cow. Hey, it's great to talk to you guys. Uh, Dennis, we'll let you go because we, uh, we, we have to ask Max at least one more important question. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> thanks, I think. <laughs> oh, Max. That's, uh, that's great stuff. All okay, right. let's, uh, let's finish with this. BYU opens the season against Utah. They are the Pac-12 preseason favorites they've never been in this position why or why not do you like that BYU is opening the season as an underdog at home against their arch nemesis Uh, what I like about it is that we've 
we, when I, I say we, BYU has had that in their mind and have been practicing for that all off season. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, my senior year when uh, the first game of the season was Oklahoma. It was like we had three months to prepare for that game. And hopefully BYU is going to come out and give different looks and do some things that Utah's not prepared for. Obviously, Utah's going to do the same. But I think um, it gives us a little bit of an advantage because they don't really know how to game plan for us. And um, we can maybe surprise them a little bit. But regardless, you never know what's going to happen in that game. And um, I think if we can create some big plays and do some things to confuse them, um, we're going to have a really good chance to win the game. I think we're, it's going to be hype. I think we're going to be excited. We're going to be healthy. That's another big thing and uh, gives us the best chance. Max, we appreciate the time, man. And, and Listen, you're the winningest quarterback. You're the winningest quarterback. Before the winningest tight end, okay? <laughs> I, am, I am so depressed right now. I don't even know how to... <laughs> Max, thanks, man. Great to talk to you. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely, you guys. It's a pleasure. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. 